this special time of year. Good to see family. Good to see friends. I am not too much of a math guy. Never have been, never will be. But I remember once upon a time, I learned what it meant to cube a number. To cube a number. All that you do is multiply that number times itself, and then you do it one more time. Three steps, I can follow that. So for example, if we had the number 10, to cube the number 10, you would multiply 10 times 10 times 10 again. It would come out to 1,000. You can see we start with a relatively small number, 10, but it gets very big very quickly whenever you cube it. We went from 10 to 1,000 in just three steps, a hop, skip, and a jump. Open your Bibles, if you're not there still, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, and here we see something way better than a number. It still gets cubed, if you will, and the concept revealed to us by the inspired writer, by the Holy Spirit himself, gets very big very quickly. Look at this passage with me and see grace cubed. Let's read the text one more time. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Now, if you're looking at that text, obviously, grace is a repeated word. Whenever you study scripture, you hone in on repeated words inside a chapter, inside a verse, etc. The key word in this passage is grace, and it gives us an amazing key how we, as New Testament Christians, can experience a grace-saturated life, God-glorifying service, just like the Apostle Paul. If you mark in your Bibles, mark each usage of the word grace as seen in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. Notice, each usage of the word grace is directly tied in to the divine. The grace of God. His grace. The grace of God. Briefly this morning, we'll study three points from the passage. Grace cubed. Number one, see the grace of God. See the grace of God. Paul begins, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, repeated words are important, but also when you're studying scripture, don't skim over contrasting words. And if you look at 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10, it begins with a word of contrast. A little three-letter word, but... But, now we can look back up in context in this chapter, Paul considers himself the least of the apostles. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 9. But now he presents a contrasting thought. The idea is, yes, I persecuted the church of God. Yes, I did much harm to the cause of Christ, but that's not where my story ends, Paul seems to be saying here. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. But, at the beginning of this passage, it introduces the radical change that took place inside the life of the Apostle Paul. A radical change from what Paul was, in self, devoid of grace, 
to what Paul now is in the Savior because of divine grace. That was then, Paul's saying, what a difference in between verse 8 and verse 9. That was then, this is now, and it is but by the grace of God. Paul has here what I would call the Popeye perspective. You remember Popeye, the cartoon character? One of his catchphrases was, I am what I am. Well, Paul has what we could call the divine Popeye perspective here because he roots it and he grounds it in the grace of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. We define grace often and accurately as unmerited favor. Unmerited favor, and certainly grace is God's unmerited favor. Paul, in a previous life, persecuted the church. And for that action alone, for that sin alone, Paul deserved, he merited, he earned, if you will, an eternity separated from God in hell, outside of the presence of God. Incidentally, you and I, as people who have sinned as well, have earned, have merited, have deserved exactly the same fate. Saul was the persecutor of God. Acts chapter 9 and verse 5. He persecuted Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ told him that. But he was transformed into Paul the preacher. Paul the proclaimer. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 7. But by the grace of God. And grace is not just God's unmerited favor, though it is that. It's God's power to save. God's power to transform the individual. And then daily, to continue to sanctify, to save, to preserve the saint. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Grace isn't just a one-time thing. And if you're anything like me, you can say, praise God for that fact, because I needed a whole lot more than just once in my life. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. This wonderful confession from the lips of Paul is also supremely suitable for you and for me. As New Testament Christians, as people who have known and who have experienced and who continue to be sanctified, but by the grace of God. The very same power that had made alive one of the mightiest men in the Lord's army, the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians, if you, if you can use that kind of terminology, has done the same thing to you and to me. The grace that saves the greatest also saves the least. The words are indeed true that we just sang, and I appreciate Adam leading all of those songs. His grace reaches me. His grace reaches me regardless of how low I am. His grace reaches me regardless of how high I am. Maybe even in just my own mind, His grace can still reach me. The grace that saves the greatest saves the least. I'm thankful for that fact. But we can't afford to miss the point from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. The grace here is of God. The grace of God. It was true in the life of the Apostle Paul. It's true inside of the lives of each and every one of us as faithful New Testament Christians. God, specifically, God the Father is the architect of grace. God the Father is the architect of grace. It was His 
the Father's eternal purpose to redeem mankind back to himself and extend his grace that reaches each and every one of us. God is the architect of grace. The Apostle Peter was writing to Christians and he was telling them something about suffering, but he also tells them and us something about the grace of God. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. 1 Peter 5 and verse 10. <clears throat> After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, and Peter is talking about the Father here because he references Jesus Christ in the very next breath, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. God, specifically God the Father here in the text, is the God of all grace. He is the architect of such. He is the planner of such inside of the scheme of redemption for mankind. The salvation for each and every individual. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. 2 Corinthians 9 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed because of the grace of God. God the Father, the architect of grace, the Apostle Paul could say, I am what I am. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. The verb there is interesting, and I try not to get too much into the Greek, but the word here is interesting to me. I am. I, me, is the Greek word for am. Jesus used that seven times in the book of John. John 8 and verse 12, I am the light of the world. Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am, I, me, what I am. That word is in the present tense, which signifies that Paul was continually what he was, but by the grace of God. Paul doesn't say here, I was what I was. He doesn't say, I will be what I will be, though that is certainly true as we think about the hope that each one of us has eternally as a Christian. Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. The grace was continually working in the life of Paul. The grace of God is continually working in the life of each and every faithful New Testament Christian. A few years before John Newton died, he was having breakfast with a friend. It was their custom to read a passage of scripture uh, post-breakfast, if you will. And the post-breakfast text that day happened to be 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. Newton, who was well advanced in years, his eyes had grown dim. His friend had the Bible in hand and began to read. When the words, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, were read. Newton was silent for several minutes after hearing them. Then he said, I am not what I ought to be. How imperfect and deficient I am. I am not what I wish to be, although I abhor what is evil and would cleave to what is good. I am not what I hope to be, but soon I shall put off mortality and with it all sin. Though I am not what I ought to be, nor what I wish to be, nor yet what I hope to be, I can truly say, I am not what I once was, a slave to Satan and to sin. I can heartily join with the words of the Apostle Paul, Newton said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now those are great words, 
And I don't know if you noticed on the screen, one of the songs that we sang was written by John Newton. He is the penman of the well-known and well-beloved hymn, Amazing Grace. He had written that earlier in his life. And he hadn't lost sight of the grace of God even at the end of his life. Paul saw his need of grace continually. He never lost sight of this truth that undergirded, that was the enabling factor of all aspects of his life in Christ and his service to God. Paul always kept the grace of God front and center in his life. Paul attributed everything, everything of value in his life to the grace of God. You can look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 7. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 7. Paul would say, Of which I was made a minister, according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of His power. Paul kept the strength of God, the grace of God, the sufficiency of God, God front and center in his life. Shame on us when our perspective gets skewed. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. These truths about the transforming power of God's grace, of the grace of God, beg the question, can you say like Paul, but by the grace of God, I am what I am? Friend, can you truly say that you are living each and every day of your life by the grace of God? I hope the answer is yes. Number two, continue to look at the text. We've noticed the grace of God. Now see grace from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10 continues. And his grace toward me did not prove in vain. Grace of God, but grace is also from God. Extended from God toward the Apostle Paul. And again, toward each and every one of us as New Testament Christians as well, extended from God to all who would receive it. You can look back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, specifically verses 1 and 2, and see that fact. The grace of God is extended from God and extended toward all mankind. We know the wonderful words of John chapter 1 and verse 17. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The grace of God, the Father, through Jesus Christ, the Son. It's described many ways in Scripture. I know that as a congregation here, you've spent a good amount of time studying grace. Many of you could probably preach this lesson in a much better and more effective format than me. But just look at five descriptions briefly of the grace of God through Jesus Christ as seen in Scripture. Ephesians 1 and verse 6 refers to the grace of God through Jesus Christ as glorious. It's glorious, but it's also abundant. Acts chapter 4 and verse 32. It's rich. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. It's manifold, and that's got nothing to do with the car park, Kirk. It's manifold. That means multi-sided, multifaceted. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. And it's sufficient. It's sufficient. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you. The Lord would say to Paul, it was sufficient then. It's still sufficient now. Someday, maybe I'll preach a five-point sermon on the grace of God just seen from Scripture here. Just these five descriptions ought to be enough to make me really appreciate 
the grace from God through Jesus Christ. If God the Father is the architect of grace, then Jesus Christ the Son could be called the achiever of grace. The achiever of grace, truly. God shows his surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7 would tell us, It was the sacrificial achievement of Jesus Christ made upon the cross. What we came today to remember, what we do remember each and every Lord's Day that made grace possible for the Apostle Paul, yep, but also for David Vestal. Christ, the achiever of grace. Consider just two passages with me that show this idea. Notice Romans chapter 5 and verse 15. Romans 5 and verse 15. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. God's the architect of grace, but Jesus Christ the Son, he's the achiever of grace. Grace is from God through the sacrifice of Christ. And that made it possible for me and for you to get precisely what we don't deserve. We were talking about this passage last night with the kids, and I was asking them what grace was, and we've talked about that several times in, in, our, in our house, and the kids said, grace is another chance. And I said, okay, yeah, it is. What happens if you do something wrong? What happens if you disobey? Oh, we get a punishment. You're right, you do. You get a spanking. Grace is instead of giving you that punishment... Daddy gave you a million dollars instead. And Mikey said, I sure would like for you guys to give me grace like that. But that is exactly what the Heavenly Father, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, has given to us. We earned something far worse than a spanking. We earned an eternal punishment. But we've been given the manifold riches of the grace of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ the Son. Exactly what we don't deserve. Far better. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, the second of the two passages to consider as we think about the grace from God. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. All friends, see the achiever of grace, Jesus Christ. He went from the riches of heaven to the rags of this earth to suffer and to die at the hands of wicked and sinful men to bring about the grace that was offered by God the Father, the grace that would enable you and it would enable me to go from the rags of sin and depravity to the riches of an eternity with God. Christ, the achiever of grace. Inside of this section in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10, we also see the proving of grace. The proving of grace. God proved the extent of his grace in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ the Son to make it possible. And Paul, for his part, he sees this and he refuses to prove such New American Standard rendering vain inside of his own life. He even says, his grace toward me did not prove in vain. God proves his grace and Paul refuses to allow that to be proved vain in his life. In other words, the grace of God that was flowing through Paul continually was absolutely not without temporal 
and eternal effect. Grace of God here, it's not wasted, it's not worthless, it's not made null and void in the life of Paul. He refuses to prove it as such. Paul was a great grace receiver. He saw the magnitude of the gift of God and he was a great grace receiver. Grace is there for you and for me as well. God has appropriated, he's given it to each and every one of us who would receive it. But sometimes things get in the way. God offers that gift of his grace, but sometimes it's wasted. Sometimes it's made void in our lives. One of the chief causes is pride. I forget my need for the grace of God. Paul refused to ever be blinded to his own need of the grace of God. If the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest human beings that had ever lived on this earth in service to the Lord, if he refused to be blinded to his need of grace, how much more so you and I? I will never prove the grace of God vain, worthless, to no effect inside of my life. I hope you won't either. That leads us to point number three from the text. Grace with God. Grace with God. Paul states in the latter portion, But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Paul refused to prove the grace of God in vain. He knew he didn't earn it. He knew that he didn't merit it. He knew that he could never deserve it. But that wasn't cause for him to do nothing because he had received it. As it was in the case of the Apostle Paul, so it ought to be in everyone's life who partakes of the salvation provided by the gospel. Grace reigns. We know that. We understand that. But... I refuse to allow grace given to be unaccompanied by works done. God gives grace, but how can we not labor, as Paul would say, in light of what has been received? Literally in the passage, it makes me laugh a little bit, Paul says, I labored more abundantly than all of them. Now on the surface, that could be what we would call in our modern English language a humble brag. If the sentence were to end just there, I labored more than all of them, period. How could anyone state publicly and in writing that he worked harder than all of the other apostles? If the sentence ended there, that would be exactly what Paul was saying, but it doesn't end there. Realize the truth of what is written. See the fact of the situation here. Paul was ascribing even all of his labor, even all of his, quote-unquote, hard work, if you will, to the grace of God. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Don't get the big head, friend. If the Apostle Paul could ascribe all of his labor more than the rest of the apostles and then follow that up by saying... It wasn't just me, but the grace of God with me. Time and time again, incidentally, the Apostle Paul kept the working of God in his life front and center. Paul never said, it's my own strength, it's my own power, I do all of these by myself. No, you can look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 29 for a very similar phrase as what we see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. Colossians 1 and verse 29, Paul would say, For this purpose I labor. There's the same word. Striving according to my own power and my own sufficiency. No, that's not what Colossians 1.29 says. Striving according to His 
power, which mightily works within me. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Paul never lost sight of what really was powerful, of what really was doing the work. He was ever mindful of his task, yes. But he never lost sight that the grace of God was the power behind accomplishing it. Don't you either. The words of the well-known hymn could well describe Paul's attitude. And when my task on earth is done, when by thy grace the victory's won, he leadeth me. Great song. My task, thy grace. Paul's saying exactly that. In 1 Corinthians 15.10 and Colossians 1.29, I visited recently with a fellow who's a preacher in the state of Wisconsin. He's been preaching for a long time. He's about to retire. And we discussed a few things and got to visiting about some other things. And he said, I, I, write, a, I write an article, a newsletter every day. Would you like to be added to my mailing list? And I said, sure. I'm always up for reading new stuff, for growing, for expanding my horizons, if you will. So I began to receive newsletters from this fellow. I read 10 of them, one every day, and they were stellar. I mean, really good. I got some great ideas for sermons. I got some good things for my own life as far as the devotional aspect goes. And I sat down at my computer to write him an email to tell him how much I appreciated what he had done. And I did. I thanked him for his work, for his effort. That couple of pages every single day, that takes some time, Adam. He's still doing full-time work in a local congregation. So I write him and tell him, I really appreciate, sir, what you've done your effort, your diligence, and you know what he said to me? He wrote back, and he said, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. All glory to him. Friends, I think that that fellow understands the mindset of the Apostle Paul here in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10. God's grace, my task. Inside of this section, we see the power of grace. Paul was able to do what he did, to labor like he labored, to work like he worked, because of the grace of God with him. If God the Father is the architect of grace, if Jesus Christ the Son is the achiever of grace, then God the Holy Spirit is the applier of grace. The applier of grace. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of grace. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 29. The only way that we can labor with God and in His grace is if we walk by the Spirit and do not carry out the desires of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. The only way that we can labor with God and in His grace is if we live by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25. Sometimes you hear a worn out tired Christian describing how hard he or she has worked in the service of God. I've taught Bible class for 10 years now. I'm one of the faithful few that makes Wednesday night Bible study. I had to do some act of service that was a tad bit difficult or maybe a little bit unpleasant. Maybe we ourselves have been that tired, worn out Christian. If so, let's remember to credit our labor or work, if you will, to the grace of God. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me did not prove vain. I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Grace cubed. Inside this passage, the idea of grace gets very big. 
very quickly. Christian, do you see the magnitude of the grace of God? It is of God, it is from God, and it is with God. Christian, have you claimed the gift of God's grace? Are you a great grace receiver like the Apostle Paul? This is a time of year where people give and receive gifts. God has given us something far, far greater than we could ever give anybody else. Something far, far greater than we could ever deserve or ever merit. And all we have to do is humbly and obediently receive it. Have you? Through faith and repentance and baptism, you can claim the gift of the grace of God. You can live your life by the transforming power of the grace of God, day by day. If you need the prayers of the congregation, if you'd like to put the Lord on in baptism, you can come now as we stand and while we sing.